right. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. It's wonderful, hey? There's a wonderful truth that Clayton has just brought. Timeless truths of the Lord. You're all doing well this morning? Tommy, hallelujah. Good for you, my friend. <laughs> Somebody's doing well. <laughs> Good for you, my friend. Good for you, my friend. All right. Always a privilege to be up here bringing the word. Always a privilege. Really is always a privilege. That couple, I'm sorry I forget your name, so forgive me. You've got a red shirt and you've got a pink, pink and white top. Yeah, that couple, you're looking at one another. Yeah, I, I feel like God is going to bring you from out of the shadows. I saw a train go through a tunnel, but the train's going in a destination, and I felt like God say, I've seen what other people haven't seen. Your faithfulness, your, your, just your determination, your, that type of thing that other people won't see. And I felt like God saying, I'm bringing you out of the shadows. I don't know what that means. I just feel like there's going to come a release and understanding of something of the authority of Christ in your lives. And it's going to bring you out of the shadows. Not that the shadows were bad. It wasn't negative. It's just a place that God had you. But he's bringing you out of that place, if you understand what I'm saying. Uh, shadows were a positive place, not a negative place. Okay, all right. Wonderful. Good morning. Good morning. It's wonderful. Really, really good to be able to. I would like to piggyback a little bit of Clayton's sermon from last week. So if you didn't hear it, I do apologize, but there's nothing I can do about that. And uh, he did a series on Galatians, and he ended last week out of Galatians 5 and 6 about walking in the Spirit and living in the Spirit. And I want to piggyback off that a little bit. Um, I thought it was wonderful, outstanding. I encourage you to go and listen to it if you haven't. But I want to piggyback off it from a foundational scripture, Philippians 1.6. It's a scripture that I've read many times. I was telling my wife about it. And yesterday, as I was praying and preparing, this scripture became a greater reality in my life. It's an amazing how God can do that. And Paul is writing to this church and he's saying... I pray with you with joy, with exceeding joy, and I thank God for you, and I'm confident that God who started a work in you will bring it to completion. God who started this good work in you will bring it to completion. Now the, the passage, and it's not going to go up behind you because I didn't give them the scripture. The passage out of Philippians, I mean out of when I eventually get to Philippians 1 out of the Passion Translation. I'll get there. All right, it says this. I pray with great faith for you because I'm fully convinced that the one who began this glorious work in you will faithfully continue the process of maturing you and will put his finishing touches to it until the unveiling of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he who started a work in you will bring it to completion. And Paul was so confident of that that he said, that's why I'm praying with you. And when the Bible talks about a good work, it's on the same vein as when God created everything and he said, it is good. It is good. And it's on that same vein. It says, this good work that I started in you, it's good. And I will watch over it to make sure that it comes to completion. For you as an individual and for this church. So it takes a lot to mess it up. It takes a lot to mess it up. And even in that, God redeems. It's an amazing fact that he redeems. And so I want you to come from that basis in what I'm going to share today. Some of this you have heard. And I don't apologize for repeating some of it. Because I find in my own life that when you hear truth, or when you hear a scripture, and as wonderful as it is, and as anointed as it is, I find it takes a while for me to live Living it, to walk in it. I've got to hear it again 
and again and again and again. And I know I'm walking in it when I make my decisions from that truth. You understand what I'm saying? The first time you hear something, as much as we love it, it doesn't mean we're walking in it yet. It takes a while for us to walk in. It really does. So I put it this way. Being a disciple means more than just making a decision for Jesus and waiting for his second coming. It involves constant change. Constant change. Turning from sin, the flesh, the devil, and becoming like Christ. And that's the whole goal, that we become like him so we can reveal who he is. We assume that if we understand the truth, it is part of our lives. We equate growth in the knowledge about God with growth in God's ways and God's character. It just takes a while. And I'll never forget it. Many, many years ago, back in South Africa, every Thursday, some of the pastors in the area went to a meeting. Every single Thursday morning. And for probably a year and a year and a half, the people they were teaching, they were teaching out of Ephesians 4. And they kept, different people were emphasizing a similar truth about the, the, the fivefold giftings of apostle, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and pastor. And I remember going home to Michelle, and Michelle said, how was the morning? I said, it was wonderful, and I could recite it back to her. And I did that, and it happened for a year. And, and one day, that person was teaching it again. And something clicked inside of me. Like it went from year to year. And I knew then that for a church to go to the place that God needs it to go, it has to have the input of the fivefold ministry. That's the truth that struck me. I didn't understand it before. I could recite it back to her. But for any of us to walk into as a group of people, God has so orchestrated it that we need the input of the apostolic. We need the input on the prophetic. We need the input from the evangelist. We need the input from the pastor and the teacher. Why? Because those are given to the body of Christ that the body may mature and into works of service. And so we need that input. It won't happen without that input. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that clicked inside me. And it made a difference on the, what I did and the way I did it. Uh, so that's what I'm talking about. One of the greatest tragedies, particularly unfortunately, of the Western church is the difference between what Christians say they believe and how they actually live. And so we need the truth to go in us. We really need the truth to go us. So if you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and it'll come up on the back there, the scripture I did give them, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says this, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who will, sorry, and we who with unveiled faces all reflect or behold the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with every increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. The Passion Translation puts it this way, Now the Lord... I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit. And where he is Lord, there is freedom. Where he is Lord, there is freedom. So where he's Lord in my life in an area, there is freedom because he's Lord. We can draw close to him with, an with a veil removed from our faces. And with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to the next. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So we can see it's a work of the Holy Spirit. That's the emphasis on this. It's a work of the Holy Spirit, which will bring freedom from sin, the flesh, and the devil. And we will be transformed ever increasingly inwardly. There's an inward change that's ever happening and ongoing and ongoing and ongoing and ongoing. You're with me? Which is wonderful. And it's his work. It's not my work. He does the work. So let me put it this way. Revelation comes. However it comes to you. 
It can be an encounter, it can be a scripture, it can be a verse, it can be somebody speaks to you, but you encounter the Lord somehow. That revelation comes and it impacts your life because the Holy Spirit has illuminated to you whatever vehicle you choose to illuminate it to you. The process of transformation is now started. But it's just starting. It's not complete. And as we learn to cooperate with this process, it begins to bring change in my life, in my heart. I've got to learn to cooperate with God. I can't make it happen, but I've got to learn to cooperate with God. And sometimes, as I learn to cooperate with Him, it can lead me into hardship. Which the Bible says is a good thing. Because it defines our faith. Or it can lead me into being a little misunderstood by people. Or it can lead to trials into my life. But I'm learning to cooperate with the process that he initiated. That's what I call an event happened. And now he wants to bring a pattern in my life that that event can take root. Everything God brings to you, however he chooses to bring to you, is the process of changing you into his glory so he can receive glory. You with me? And it always happens in the context of family. It never happens individually, just me and the Lord. It happens in the context of family. And so, let me say to you, stop trying to be a Christian. Just stop it. Remember that, just stop it. Or I'll bury you alive in a box, just stop it. Those who know what I'm talking about. Stop trying to produce fruit. Stop trying to be a good Christian. Stop trying to minister for the Lord. Stop trying. Just be. Just be. Because when he does the work in you, then we just be. It's like me putting a shirt on, and wherever I go, the shirt goes with me. That's why Jesus said, and you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Not you will witness for me. It's not an action you're going to do. It's who you're going to be. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Because of what he will do in you through the evolving process of the Holy Spirit, and you just be, and in being, I will work through you. So don't try to do. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Are you, are you, I'm not, I hope I'm not confused. It doesn't mean we don't do anything. No, we learn to cooperate with him. We learn to hold his hand as he started the process. We learn to put our arm around him as he leads us. We learn to walk beside him as he started. That's what I'm trying to say. And we've got to learn to cooperate with him and recognize what he's doing. Think of Peter. I often think of Peter. He's a great encouragement to me, that man. He had the revelation of Jesus Christ. He was on the Mount of Transfiguration, where he said, it's good for us to be here. And he went to the bold old tabernacles. What an understatement. <laughs> it's where Jesus, where Moses and Elijah appeared with Jesus. He walked on water. Other than Jesus, the only one that walked on water. <laughs> Yet he denied Jesus three times. Yet he had a revelation of who the Christ was. Isn't that interesting? Because the process had started in his life, which was still busy going on. Then in Acts chapter 2, when the tongues of fire came upon him, he was the guy that stood up and said, what's happened is Joel chapter 2 prophesied, that's what's happening, yeah? And he preached, and 3,000 people got saved. He was a spokesman. Then in Acts chapter 5, wherever he walked, he's fed a shell on people, and they got healed. In Acts 9, he raised somebody from the dead, but he still would not go to the Gentiles that God had told him to, because he still had something in him that needed to be changed. Isn't that amazing? 
So God has to give him a vision to go to Cornelius, the Gentile, and because of that, Cornelius and his household get saved. But then later on, Paul has to rebuke him because he was one person with the Jews and one person with the Gentiles. Yet God did all this through him. So you can see it's an ongoing process. He didn't have it all together. That's what I'm trying to say to you. But he started a good work. And because he started a good work in you, he will bring it to completion. Please turn to somebody next to you and say, that's you. That's you. He started a good work in you. See, mostly, mostly you, Clayton says to Jen, mostly you. Okay. The real purpose of becoming a Christian is not so much to save ourselves from hell and go to heaven, but to become a child of God. Align the Father through the Holy Spirit to form the character of Christ within us so the splendor of his glory and goodness can be displayed to a dying world. But to live this life is impossible without the Holy Spirit. Without the Spirit of God, we will not be able to do anything that will last in eternity. Nothing. Absolutely. It has to be a work of the Holy Spirit. We know that. And so Jesus, in John chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17, I encourage you, go read those as often as you can. Don't worry about my notes there. Um, when I stop throwing them, you know we've come to the end. Um, so he's probably, they're probably counting them as they're going down. Okay, eight, no, one more. <laughs> so Jesus spent a long time explaining to the disciples about the coming of the Holy Spirit and what that meant. Because we know, he said, I have to go, but the Holy Spirit, when he comes... He's going to do things that I did. He's going to be just like me, but you cannot see me any longer. And so he takes time explaining the Holy Spirit. So they understood that when the Holy Spirit came, what, what, what that means. So God can come with power. I've said this before. And we always trust that he will always come in power. Every meeting we have, we trust that. However he chooses to do that. But by next week, it can wear off us. Because the power of God can come, but we cannot really know who the Holy Spirit is. But when the person of the Holy Spirit comes, and when we walk with him, and we know him, we will experience daily presence and power flowing from his personhood. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's God. And when we get a bit of theology and truth and walk with him, his power will rub off on us every day. And he will re real, reveal Jesus and glorify Jesus. He will not give us a Bible study about Jesus or some self-help scheme or some psychology or some academic information from the Bible. He will give you the tangible, supernatural, living reality of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he will give you. That's why we need to cooperate with him. So, coming back to Clayton's sermon, Galatians 5, it'll go up on the back, 16. So I say to you, live or walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your sinful nature. Galatians 5.25, since we live by the Spirit, let us then keep in step with the Spirit. Between verse 16 and verse 25, they came up on the back. Clayton read two lists last week. Remember? This is the works of the flesh. This is the fruit of the Spirit. Why did Paul put those two lists between verse 16, which says, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, and then walk by the Spirit and keep in step? Why those two lists between? My understanding is because when something happens in our life, we can say, Okay, this is the activity of the Holy Spirit because this is what is producing my life. Or this is the activity of the flesh because this is what it's producing in my life. It's not to condemn us, it's to help us understand and see his activity. You with me? Just like when you get born again, there are evidences in the Bible to give you assurance of the salvation. So you know, okay, this is what happened to me. This is the truth. I'm not running my race in vain. 
Just like when you get baptized with the Holy Spirit, there are evidences in the Bible to show you you have been baptized with the Holy Spirit. To make it clear, this that happened to you, this is what it looks like, this is the outworking of it. And you can say, oh, okay, I understand now. There's been a release of power in my life. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you a story. When I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, a couple of, I don't know, it was, I don't know, three, four, five, six weeks later, I can't remember the exact timeline, but it was a little bit later. I was praying for some people, and there was a line of people praying. This was like, as Clayton would say, in the 1800s. And um, I was praying for somebody, but at that stage, I was closing my eyes. I don't do that anymore. And I had my hand just above their head. And I'm praying my best prayer that I knew how, but I'm just it's about three or four inches above the head. And I'm praying 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 and I open my eyes and the person's not there. And I look around and they're lying on the floor. I don't know how long I stood there praying while they laying on the floor, if you understand what I'm saying. God did something that I was not even aware of. And I knew that wasn't me. I knew that wasn't me. But it showed me something of what God had done. That's why those lists are there. This is my work in your life because this is what it will begin to look like. This is your work in your life because this is the evidence of it. So it's not to condemn us so we can identify it and say this is God and this is not God. Otherwise, we become airy-fairy. We get very super spiritual about things. You know what I'm... <laughs> Katie Locke said, we do. We can become very super spiritual about things, but nothing's changing. We can quote scripture, but nothing's changing. My heart's not changing. I'm still chewing my wife out with my mouth or treating her badly. Nothing's changing. Hello? We want change inside. So I can quote as many scriptures as I like, but if it doesn't impact me and begin to take root in me, nothing's changing. And then unfortunately, we super spiritualize it. And so those lists are given so we can know God, you're busy working in my life because all of a sudden I feel self-control coming where I didn't have it before. Hello, you with me? That's God encouraging us. It really is God encouraging us. Galatians 6, 6 and 7. Galatians 6, 7 and 8, sorry. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whatever he sows to please his flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Ever so as to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. The Passion Translation, as you can know, you see I've been reading a lot of it. God will never be mocked, for what you plant will always be the very thing you harvest. The harvest you reap reveals the seed you have planted. If you plant the corrupt seeds of the self-life in this natural realm, you can expect a harvest of corruption. If you plant the good seeds of a spirit life, you will reap the beautiful fruits that grow from the everlasting life of the Spirit. And so, we are born by the Spirit, we are called to walk by the Spirit, we are called to be led by the Spirit, and we are called to sow into the Spirit. And that's where I'm leading to. What do I do to sow into the Spirit? Now, Clayton gave you a list last week. I want to give some more practical stuff. How can I sow? How can I keep my heart in a tender place? How can I keep my heart open to God? How can I keep my heart vulnerable before him so that I can receive what he wants to put in my life so it can take root and sow a seed so that it can bring fruit out of my life? But I've got to keep my place, my life in a place that I'm not pushing him away. You understand what I'm saying? There were three instructions given about the Holy Spirit. Do not blaspheme the Holy Spirit, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, and do not quench the Holy Spirit. 
That's what it was given us. Jesus spoke about blasphemy. That's when we call evil good. Or when we put the works of the devil unto God. You go read it. And he says, every sin can be given except that one. Why? Because we deny the power of the regeneration power of the Holy Spirit in our life. So we can't come to repentance. That's why it's an unforgivable sin. And then Paul says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't quench his life in you. So we are able to do that if Paul's encourager. So I want to be in a place where I don't do that. Hello? You with me? All right. So what I'm about to preach on, you've heard me touch on before, but I just felt like I needed to say it again. All right, so I've just called the cultivating an environment for the ongoing activity of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Cultivating environment, and it's summed up in these scriptures, which we're going to quickly read. Go to Colossians chapter 3. Dwayne, I'm not sure if I gave you these scriptures. It's summed up in these scriptures. Colossians. The main part, Gentiles eat pork chops. That's the only way I remember it. It's just to help you. Colossians 3, verse 12 and 13. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Go to Romans chapter 12. Romans 12. Verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who I need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to be associated with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be good to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will reap coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And one more scripture or list of verses. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Sorry, Ephesians chapter 4, I beg your pardon. 1 to 3. As a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So I've taken these scriptures and I'm going to sum them up in what I'm about to say. And I found in my own life, and I have my wife here to test whether it's, I found by cultivating these attitudes inside of me, cultivating them, it takes time, it doesn't happen overnight, I'm beginning to sow to the Spirit and it keeps my heart tender. It keeps my heart in a place that God can do something. Amen. So number one, walk in forgiveness. Walk in forgiveness. Walk in forgiveness. Walk in forgiveness. Walk in a lifestyle of forgiveness. It's the single biggest factor that stops the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Unforgiveness. Forgiveness is to grant free pardon of any offense, debt or wrongdoing, never expecting anything back in return. It's to give up all claims and rights to hold on to it. God granted us complete forgiveness. It was totally free. Jesus paid the price, not us. So Jesus is saying, learn to walk in forgiveness. Because unforgiveness will hold us in bondage. Unforgiveness 
will lock you down. Unforgiveness will hold you in a place and it's designed to hold you down. It locks you into a stronghold, into a way of thinking. And you think, this is my lot in life. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3.11, I have forgiven you in the sight of Christ for your sake in order that Satan might not outwit us. We are aware of his schemes. It is the devil's scheme and forgiveness. Let's choose not to partner with him. When we don't forgive, we're going to his territory. I encourage you, forgive your spouses, forgive your children, forgive your parents, forgive your headmaster, forgive your teachers, forgive your boss. Learn to walk in forgiveness. If you're not too sure how, ask God. He will show you. Unforgiveness is so serious that it actually blocks the promises of God. Because we're actually partnering with the evil one. The fruits of unforgiveness are this towards others over a long period of time. Bitterness, <clears throat> hatred, suspicion, resentment, revenge, jealousy, which ends up in murder, unfortunately. The fruits of unforgiveness towards God, doubt, unbelief, rebellion. I'll just be honest with you. I don't know how somebody can have unforgiveness towards God. Just me. I'm not criticized, just me. He's God. He's never at fault. The fruits of unforgiveness towards yourself, condemnation, guilt, unworthiness, shame, embarrassment, suicide. The consequences of unforgiveness in your body in your health, negative emotions, broken relationships, broken fellowship with God, and then we open our door to the life of the demonic. Please learn to walk in unforgiveness. I encourage you, whatever it takes. And unfortunately, an offense goes hand in hand with this. But the Bible says, don't take an offense. That word offense we've taught on it before is the word scandalon. Scandalon is a little piece of bait that you put in a trap so the animal can come and take the bait and as it takes the bait, it's trapped. That's what happens when we take an offense, it traps us. It locks us down. It locks us down. And we get stuck there until we deal with it. So I'm encouraging you, walk and forgiveness. If you have to write a letter, if you write an email, if you have to go to somebody. And sometimes people come to me and say, I forgive you. I say, for what? I have no clue I've done anything wrong. You're with me. Because I did something and they took an offense, unfortunately. I've been tested in this. I'm not speaking without testing in my own life. Trust me. Trust me. I, there was a person that I really admired, when I say admired, and put him on a pedestal, but I could see God working in and through their life. And so um, I looked up to them, and they did something, and I took an incredible offense. I really did. We were actually at a conference at that stage, Michelle and I, and it was an afternoon session, and um, I went back to the hotel room. Michelle remember it. And I just sat on a chair and I just sought God on it. I said, Lord, I can't live like this. Because I felt it. I felt it inside. I just felt it. And I sat there for I don't know how long, hours. God, you've got to help me deal with this. You've got to help me deal with this. You've got to help me deal with this. I can't have this towards this person. I can't have this towards this person. And after a number of hours, I felt like the breakthrough. And I could honestly in my heart let that person go. 
And lo and behold, three weeks later, I got an email from that person inviting me to do some ministry with them. And I think back, if I hadn't forgiven them, what would have happened? It's like a door opened as I learned to forgive them. We were at a conference once, and uh, they, um, the guy that was leading um, did something. Right at the end of a session, just before the tea, the person said, I think we should break for tea now. And I turned to Michelle and I said, they shouldn't do that now. The presence of God is here. Let's do some ministry. But I didn't say it in a nice tone. I said it in a very cutting tone. You people don't do that, do you? But anyway, okay. I said it in a very, but only to my wife, nobody else. And the person said, let's break for tea or coffee. And straight after the coffee, they decided to have communion. And they were passing the communion down. And as the communion came to me, I felt the Lord say, are you taking communion? And I knew what he was talking about. I knew instantly what he was talking about. So I got up out of my seat and I went to the guy. Now, I'm the only one standing up. Everybody's sitting down taking communion. And I said, listen, I just said something to my wife against you. And I just want you to know that I don't hold it against you. And the release came. And I went and sat down and took communion. Please learn to walk in forgiveness. They took an offense to Jesus and it tied his hands. He could only do a few miracles in his hometown. Tied his hands. Think of that tying the hands of God. Because of an offense. Walk in humility. Cultivate this in your life. How do you do that? Because people say, how do you walk in humility? I find if you cultivate a lifestyle of worship and praise, because when you cultivate a lifestyle of worship and praise, you're declaring who he is and who you are in relationship to him. He's always exalted. So you learn to walk in a lifestyle of humility. It always reminds you of who he is, who he is, who he is. He's with me. I found to cultivate humility, you need to cultivate honor. It came out of Romans. Honor people. Honor your leaders. Honor your husbands. Honor your wives. Honor people. Don't use flattery. Honor them where honor is due. Honor them. Encourage them. I encourage you. I think as Bill Johnson says, honor is a vehicle of inheritance. Honor your father and mother so they may go well with you because you have an inheritance coming with them. So whatever you honor opens up the door for you to walk in. Also to cultivate humility, I find cultivate a lifestyle of gratitude and generosity. Gratitude and generosity. So we, we've tried to cultivate that. And I've said this before, many years ago, not two years ago, at Thanksgiving, it's my favorite holiday. I love it because it's just about Thanksgiving. It's not about anything else. It's about Thanksgiving. And so you sit down, you have this meal, and then you want to give thanks. And you're thinking, what am I going to give thanks for? I mean, so much has happened. And so Michelle said, why don't we have a gratitude jar? And she got a jar and she put the word gratitude on. And every time something happens and we want to be, we just put a little piece of paper in there. And then come Thanksgiving, we just pull them all out and say, ah, oh, look what happened. Look what God did. Look what God did. Look what God did. It's cultivating a lifestyle of gratitude. It keeps my heart right. That's what it does. It keeps my heart in a good place. Keep short accounts with God and with people. Keep short accounts. I won't go anymore with that because I've touched on the faith. Remain and abide in the word. I encourage you, whatever that means to you, it's this that changes you. It's this empowered by the Holy Spirit that adjusts my attitudes. It's this empowered by the Holy Spirit that adjusts my thinking. It's this empowered by the Holy Spirit that adjusts my emotions. It's this. So cultivate, remain in the word. Next one, persist in prayer. Whatever that means to you, just persist in prayer. Have a lifestyle of praying. I'm not saying you have to have pray 24 hours every day, but just have a lifestyle. You can pray in your car, you can pray here, you can pray anywhere you like. Just persist. Cultivate a lifestyle of prayer. Next one, embrace a few more and cultivate fellowship. Embrace and cultivate fellowship because we need one another. 
Clayton said last week, there's 52 one another's in the Bible. So embrace fellowship, cultivate fellowship. We need one another. Next one, be aggressive towards the enemy. Please don't flirt with him. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will fail. Be aggressive towards his work. Be aggressive towards his work in your life. Next one, cultivate a bridal tongue. Think before you speak. I encourage you. Because the emotions can rise and something comes out of our mouth and then we want to get it back. But it's come out. I find the words that I speak in my house sets the tone or the atmosphere in my house. So cultivate. Go home and read James 3. I encourage you. Go home and read James 3. So cultivate a bridal tongue. Philippians 2, verse 13 and 14 says this. I didn't give the scripture. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. It's God who works in you to will and to act, to do according to his good pleasure. The very next verse says this. Do everything without complaining or arguing. It's amazing that's the next verse that comes. So that you may become blameless, pure children of God. So that's part of working out my salvation is depending on how I speak. Next one, cultivate a faith tongue. I believe, therefore I spoke. So speak faith, speak positive things about the Lord and your life and what he's done. Cultivate a faith tongue. It's called Christianity, it's called the good confession. And then embrace serving. Embrace serving, I mean it. Jesus was a servant. He said, I came to serve. Whatever that means to you. There's a wonderful little thing in, uh, there's all over the Bible, but Abram's servant was sent to Abram's people to find a wife for Isaac. You can go home and read it in Genesis 24. And when he got to the city, he asked God for favor. So if you read the story, you'll find that he went to the servant, Abram sent his servant to go find a wife for his son Isaac. And so the servant went, and when he came to the, the well, he prayed for God, for favor, to show him. And then Rebecca comes on the scene, and the Bible said she was a beautiful woman. She was a Syrian and was a granddaughter of Nahor, Abram's brother. And so he said, God, if this happens, if I ask for water and they give me water and they offer to water my camels as well, then I will know that this is the lady. And if you read the story, you'll see that's exactly what happened. She came and he asked for water and he, she said, all right, let me draw water for you. And the Bible says she went again and again to the well and pulled, the, pulled it up and gave him water. And she said, and I will give your camels water. So she had to go and lower the thing in the well and pull it up and pull the water in the trough. Lower the thing and pull it up and pour water in the trough to water the camels. But Abram had sent that servant Camels laden with goods and gold and silver and all that. And so there's a great lesson we can receive. A great lesson in the way God provides surprising rewards for servant-hearted people is learnt here. Little did Rebecca know that those camels she was giving water to were carrying untold gifts for her and her family. Little did she know that her future destiny lay in the simple, seemingly ordinary act of service. Just by serving open the door for her. I'm going to tell a story here, and I don't mean to embarrass anybody, but when we arrived in this country, there was a family that took us in and uh, really looked after us and provided for us. And, um, <clears throat> and so one day we were living in the place they had given us, and I looked out the window, Michelle looked out the window, and she called me, and here was this person that had lent us a car, they were busy pumping the tires of the car they'd lent us. And I said, well, what are they doing? And Michelle said, he's pumping our tires. Just a little act of service to make sure that everything was in order. Getting on his hands and knees and pumping the tires of a car. never know what door God's going to open when we serve. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. People might wonder 
while we, Michelle and I, greeted the door for that very reason, because we want to serve. Serve people, I encourage you. Find somebody to serve or get involved somehow in service. It's not beneath us in any form or any shape. I encourage you men, serve your wives. Jesus, a husband, serves his bride. Find a way to serve your wives. I've got to empty the dishwasher, but anyway. <laughs> and pack them away. <laughs> she loves it, yeah, she does. Yeah, so I encourage you. And Jesus told untold parables about serving. Many, I had. we were going to read them, but I just don't have time. I encourage you, get involved in serving. I find when you serve, you take your eyes off yourself. That's what happens. You take your eyes off yourself and you put it on somebody else and you all of a sudden, hang on, my life's not so bad. Look what they're going through. And then your heart stays open and soft and tender. And then the last one, not note that there are others, there are others. Develop an ear to his voice. Develop an ear to his voice. I've found in my own life out of many trials and error, as I've learned to cultivate these, understand it's a lifestyle, cultivate. It didn't come naturally. Some came a little bit more naturally than others, but others I had to learn to cultivate. It created an environment within me that attracted the presence of God and allowed him to do the work in me, to change me, empower me, to establish deep wells within me. That's what I found. And he surprised me. He did it sometimes when I didn't expect him to do it. That's what he did. But as I just developed these lifestyles, developed them, developed them, developed them, cultivate them, keeps my heart tender and soft for the activity of the Holy Spirit. So I'm not quenching him. I'm not grieving him. I'm trying to learn to cooperate with him. So only he can do the work in my life. I can't do that work in my life. Hallelujah. So I hope you begin encouraged by this. All right, blessings. All right, won't you stand, please? So I say, live by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit. If you can just give us three minutes, I know we've gone on a bit. Take something that captured your heart this morning. Could have been in a song. It could have been something Clayton said. Could have been something Tommy said. Could have just been something God spoke to you directly. And I encourage you, before the sun goes down tonight, Go write it down somewhere. Write it down because we will forget it. And then in the days to come, go back to it again and again and again. And allow the Holy Spirit to begin to work in you what he has shown you. Father, I thank you that this good work that you started in our lives, you will bring it to completion. It's a good work. Thank you. Thank you that you are faithful and true. Thank you, even as we're saying this morning, you are the great I am. Nothing is impossible for you. Nothing. Teach us. Teach us to keep our hearts open to you. Teach us to cultivate 
in our lives what will attract your presence. Teach us. Thank you, Lord. Bless your people. Bless your people. Thank you. God's people said. Amen. Amen. Bless you, folk. Oh, Tommy, sorry. Let's see you standing behind you, me. You can still bless that. Oh, okay. Go. <laughs> From this man, we receive blessing upon blessing upon blessing. Ken, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. That was amazing. Um, yeah, if you're visiting, feel free to fill out a connect card, which is on the back of the seat in front of you, and there is a black box on your way out and you can drop that in and we'll connect with you uh, in the coming days. If you would like prayer for anything and everything, there is going to be a training ministry team over here to pray with you. We had a word of knowledge specifically for um, uh, knee and foot pain on the left side of your body. If that's you, come on up and we'll pray with you. And otherwise, have a wonderful week. Amen. Good morning, Free Life Church. We're glad you're here. If you are visiting in person, please stop by the Connection Corner in the lobby to receive your welcome bag and learn more about Free Life Church. A member from our Connection team will be there to answer any questions you have. We look forward to meeting you. Seniors are invited to the Senior Youth Pool Party and S'mores Night on July 24th from 4 to 10 p.m. at the home of Kevin and Denise Fry. Grab your towel and swimsuit and join us for some senior high fun. Virginia Freedom Keepers is presenting a guest speaker event on Tuesday, July 20th at 7 p.m. here at Free Life Church. Learn more at virginiafreedomkeepers.org. Free Life Church partners with local ministries from members of our church that are doing amazing things in our community. One Hope Ministries is preparing for its annual back-to-school fiesta with notebook collections. Better a Life has many volunteer opportunities for the Percival Care and Hope event. And Loudonburn has its 10th anniversary special worship celebration on July 17th. Please make sure to check our events page for more information on how to participate. Our prayer team meets every week on Friday to pray. If you would like prayer, please fill out the electronic form or drop the request in the Connect box. The prayer team meets every Friday at 11 a.m. at the church to pray. If you are interested in joining the prayer team, please contact us at prayer at freelifechurchva.com. For more information about all of our upcoming events, please see the events page on our website. Thanks for tuning in.